This is the Martial Arts Lifestyle Podcast, where we talk with martial arts practitioners about their histories and the influence their practice of martial arts has on their lives. You are listening to the free version of this podcast, which is abbreviated. Help support this program by considering to subscribe to us on Patreon and access the full-length version of the Martial Arts Lifestyle Podcasts, all for the price of one coffee shop coffee per month. Go to www.patreon.com slash malmag. That's www.patreon.com slash M-A-L-M-A-G. In this episode, I sit down with Kurt Cornwell who is the owner and head instructor of MKG Detroit. I got a chance to sit down with Kurt after he did a TED Talk in 2019 at UCLA. We discuss a lot about his interesting history and his practice of martial arts. Sit back and enjoy. Okay, welcome to the Martial Arts Lifestyle uh, Podcast. And one, one sort of interesting thing about the martial arts world in which I live is... Uh, and probably for a lot of people, is you end up with these connections through social media and you kind of meet people through your uh, well-trusted friends. And my guest today is is someone like that, someone I knew was a cool person by default uh, early on, uh, Mr. Kurt Cornwell of Detroit, or the Detroit Minnesota Collie Group. Welcome, sir. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Awesome. Um, and what we kind of discuss on the podcast is uh, about martial arts and your lifestyle and how martial arts fits into your life and how it makes it better and, and anything else that that leads to. So uh, are, are you a professional martial arts teacher? Is that what you do for I a I am, day? yes. Yeah, for the last, uh, well, since I moved back from Minneapolis to Detroit was about five years ago. So um, I had some part-time gigs when I first moved back, but it's the better part of five years I've been running full-time. Oh, wow. So you're originally from Detroit? Yes. Yeah, okay. I grew up there, um, spent about a decade in Minneapolis, I moved there to train with uh, Sifu Rick Fay, and then moved back to bring MKG kind of out into the community there. Wow. Did yeah. you do any other kind of work before? I mean, did you have like a career that you were doing? Um, no, not really. I mean, a career of bouncing around from odd jobs to odd jobs, right? And and I'm, I met um, Guru Rick in my mid-20s, so I had just moved from, I lived in Brooklyn, New York, and was a musician there for a while, which, you know, I would say basically means I was a bartender, right? Which I was, mm-hmm. I was a DJ and stuff. And so I was doing that, but I didn't really have any... Um, I think false beliefs that I would make it as a musician, right? I just uh, kind of wanted to, um, almost a bucket list thing maybe, right? I just okay. always wanted to try that and I had friends out there, I, uh, I needed a place to, to lay my hat and a friend of mine out there had a room open up in his apartment so I thought okay I'll, I'll move out that way for a little bit and then I fell in love all over again with martial art while I was there and, and through some different experiences and kind of never looked back really. Cool. Well, I guess, you know, we should just chronologically start at the beginning. When did you get involved in martial arts? Um, you know, like a lot of us, I started when as I was a kid. My father was a competitive judo guy in college, and so um, he started to show me some judo things just at home while I was growing up. Um, I did a little bit of karate and taekwondo here and there, but not very consistent. I was a really timid kid, and a lot of the karate schools by me were very traditional, very no-nonsense, kind of barking at you, military um, drill instructor style thing, which is great, but uh, at you know seven years old, this sort of thing, it was uh, kind of put me back on my heels a lot. And it really wasn't until high school where I worked up the courage to jump into something full-time. So I started Aikido when I was, I think, 14, 15 years old. 
did that for a few years and capoeira as well, which was great, especially when I had more youthful back and hips and <laughs> I didn't have any chronic injuries yet. Now, that is an interesting combination. <laughs> and it's, it's funny because, um, you know, we're just audio, but, but Kurt's a big guy. He's a pretty good size uh, gentleman like myself. I'm about 6'4", 265 pounds. And, you know, you don't look like a small guy compared to me. So when you say Aikido and Capoeira, that's not like my first two guesses. Judo, I'm like, yeah, okay, Judo, that makes yeah, some right. sense, right? Right. Well, when I was in high school, I was very small. I was, uh, well, I was very skinny, right? I was six foot, but I was 138 pounds. Yeah, like a broomstick. Kind of yeah, I was yeah. about six four yeah. and 175. Yeah, so you know, it was a lollipop man. Yeah, right. So it worked <laughs> well, and both of those things, not coincidentally, you can trace those back because I was born in 1982. Right, so if you look at 80s and 90s martial art movies, so you've got like somebody like a Steven Seagal and all those films that came out of that oh, time, yeah, yeah. and only The Strong and those movies that came sure. out. So I was really, really invested in martial art pop culture as a kid. And a lot of the heroism that comes from these, those underdog stories, those are the things that resonated with me as a kind of a sensitive kid, right? Right. Uh, timid kid. And so I think that's probably the reason I gravitated towards those without much sense of whether or not they'd be quote unquote good for me, mm -hmm. for my mm -hmm. body type, but because those are the ones I was watching every day or every night on TV, you know. Absolutely makes sense. I'm about a, a say a decade ahead of you. Uh, I was born in 69, but of course, you know, the thing is when I was a kid getting impressed by martial arts yeah. in the media, Kung Fu, the show, right. Blackbell Jones, Jim right. Kelly, Karate, yeah. Bruce Lee, of course. Sure. Um, that sort of thing, and then of course, you know Chuck Norris, and yeah. so yeah, of course that's yeah. karate, judo, kung Absolutely. fu. These things were my dad was really ninjutsu was popular for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we didn't have any ninjutsu by me. I'm sure I would have been the first one through the door. Oh yeah, was. we didn't really have it, but it didn't stop me and my buddy from <laughs> yeah. buying oh, yeah. a suit and running around the woods. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, we did a lot of that, and my dad was really into kung fu. He loved that series, and by the time I was coming up, uh, that like kind of reboot thing they did, the legend continues. Oh yeah, yeah, with Brandon. Son, uh, yeah. And so that uh, was on primetime, I would assume, at that time. So I was really into that as well. And he would, my father was really, um, he was a pretty influential guy, very influential actually, in my um, uh, youth. And so we would have what we would call like fooisms, which were just little, little nuggets <laughs> that we would take from the show and repeat back and forth to each other. And so even that mindset was always something I was engaged with, right? I just needed to find the right place. That really is why I moved to Minneapolis eventually, because it just really struck a chord with me. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so you were searching, and then how did you find... Uh, I mean, this podcast is pretty open. I'm sure there's going to be a big chunk of the audience that knows who Guru Fay is, and there's going to be a chunk that are into other martial arts and don't know exactly who he is. So maybe I'll have you describe how you decided to or how you found him, how you decided to have that take you to Minneapolis, which on the map is not that far from Detroit. But, you know, if you're talking about being away from home, it's right. it's a good Yeah, good far distance. enough if you're uprooting yourself just for that, right? And Certainly. so um, Rick is one of the few senior full instructors under Guru Nisano. And, um, you know, he goes back, he's listed in the Jeet Kune Do book that Guru Dan wrote. Really? Yeah, I don't know if you know that. No. But yeah, if you look in the back, there's sort of a uh, I just picked family this up. tree. I have to look. Okay. Yeah, in the okay. very back, there's a family tree. And it talks about the different people, and you'll see, you know, the, the names you'd suspect in there, the Ted Longs and right. Daniel Lees and all this, you know, with the family tree tracing back up. But then you have sort of the pages of people that are authorized to teach and stuff, and you got, you know, your Larry Hartzell and, and yeah. Rick Faye. 
Okay, I is know in what there. you're talking and about. And I'm like, wow. And and I, you know, my understanding too, Rick, Rick is probably the, what I call prototype of the seminar method. Right. Of Guru Dance. Right. Yeah, and you know, even here during this trip, while while I'm in town training with you guys here at um, Guru's Academy, when he talks of Rick, there's a certain, um, I don't know, I want to say I'm not trying to speak for him that he's proud of him, but. Uh, he really holds him in, in high regard, and uh, I think there's Rick X is a kind of proof of that seminar method if you're willing to put in the flight time. Correct. Yes. Right. Yeah, because yeah. those weren't just guys that went to the seminar once in a while. I mean, he was like a Grateful Deadhead, right? He was yeah, following, following him all was over the place, yeah. and then he and Greg Nelson and Eric mm-hmm. Paulson and some of these very well-known personalities were then getting together in his garage or in his small schools that he eventually yeah. had. And just really getting after it, right? Well, and sure. And you're starting to hit on the other thing, too. It's like you could start listing who came from Rick Fay, right. and you've got this long list of who's who right. Of, right. of all kinds of different things. Yeah, it's pretty remarkable when you really walk that back and look at, you know, especially in the Midwest, right? Yeah. You know, um, two of my first instructors who are some of the first people that told me about Rick are David and Linda Hatch in oh, Detroit. Oh, yeah. And so I met them probably 2002, something like that, and trained with them for a little while. And they even, they're um, part of the MKG organization, which is Rick's organization, mm-hmm. of which I'm a part. And they really held him in that high regard. And um, David Hatch will talk about, uh, he spoke with Garun Asano early on of like, just follow that guy, like pointing to Rick, gesturing towards him, just right. follow him. Like he's got the flow down. He understands how this works. And, right. Um, so a lot of us have kind of followed in, in those steps. So um, I first got exposed to this at uh, a place called Tracker School. You know, Tracker oh School yeah, of course. Well, I know I know Christopher Harley, so I yes, know, right. I know, what, I know, I know yes, what a Tracker yes. School is. So <laughs> perfect. So I started going to Tracker School. I've been a few times. It was September two thousand and one, and I did what they call the standard course, which is the introductory week long immersion program. And Tracker School is Tom Brown Jr.'s um, survival program. It's like indigenous skills and all these, you know, tracking and um, matchless fires, all the, everything that comes with that. And so I went there. I was maybe nineteen, something like this, twenty years old. And I spent the week there, really, really, really fell in love with it. It was also something I kind of grew up around a little bit. My dad was really into um, outdoor and native skills. And and so first chance I had, I jumped at it. Well, I went back about two, three weeks after my course because I found out they were holding something called the Scout Protector class, Mm -hmm. which was kind of a mix of um, what they call scout skills or... Uh, things like perimeter security, mm-hmm. personal protection, but in particular relative to survival, and then martial art as well. Mm-hmm. And I thought, man, those are like my two favorite things. This is crazy. Why did you know? I should have just hung out there for a couple of weeks and waited for this. Funny so, thing is, I think I know a couple of names that are going to come up here. I'm just yeah, gonna, I'm right. Gonna put it in my yeah, head. Sure uh, I wish I wish so, you could see. I would like write the card down here and, <laughs> right. and put it down One here. And it's going to sound like either yeah, either either. Tim is a magician or Kurt's a magician. One of them is downstairs teaching class right now. So, so so yeah, I went back and this course was taught by a group of people. Um, Chris Farley was one of them and Mm -hmm. uh, very quickly became like a big brother to me. Um, Cody Welchin, she was there. And then um, George and Vanessa Larson, right? And Mm so um, they were kind of running the show and then along with Paul Bonner from um, Sarnia in, uh, I think, Ontario. And Paul and I became rather close as well. He became kind of a, a, 
I don't know, an email pen pal mentor to me or something like this at the yeah, time. I love pen pal. This is old fashioned. <laughs> I love it. It's old school. And, uh, uh, so all of these people kept talking. I actually didn't know anything about what the art was going to be. I just knew it was going to be a combination of wilderness survival and martial art. Like, yeah, sign me up, right? I didn't have any context for what the skills would be, but I was there. Yeah. And I was just enthralled with everything they taught me. I remember Heaven Six being like, okay, there's nothing else like this, you know. Um, the JKD trapping immediately sparked something in my brain that's never gone away and still kind of remains at the forefront of what I love. Um, and so all of those people in particular, um, George and Harley, their instruction really resonated with me. And they kept talking about two people, Guru Dan and Guru Rick. And I finally put together, oh, they're talking about Dan and Asano, the guy from these movies that I've seen in all the mm -hmm. magazines that I was obsessed with as a kid. And, right. oh, that's that person that they keep referencing. So, okay, I'm aware that he's a big deal, right? And this is mm -hmm. me at, at a rather young age, um, not knowing the scope of really who he was. And then, so who is this Rick person that they're talking about? He must be a big deal as well. And then I moved, or I, I came back to Michigan after the end of that amazing experience and started immediately training with Dave and Linda Hatch because they happened to be in my area teaching all the same arts. Mm -hmm. And now they're talking about Dan and Rick, these same people, right? Yeah. Okay, well, boy, I don't, okay, so I, I'm starting to get aware of who Guru Nisano is, obviously bigger deal than I even thought, not just right. a guy from a movie or whatever. Right. Uh, but this Rick person really must be a big deal. So, Well, you uh, figure, and I mean, the, the list of people that, that Kurt's talking about. I, I know many of them, and these are some phenomenal people. And right. so imagine taking these people that you think are phenom uh, super phenom phenomenal people, wonderful people, and they're starting to say, they're pointing up the right. ladder at someone. Right. And it, it would it absolutely make you curious. I mean, yeah, they're doing things and demonstrating things that, you know, you almost didn't think it was possible or whatever. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It really, so much, so much of it just felt like magic. And, um, you know, I always think having six tends to be the thing that grabs people, right? When oh, it's yeah. like their first collie class sure. or something, they see that and they're like, I don't know what that is, but I want to yeah. do that. Yeah, know? it's kind of like uh, moving a Rubik's Cube real quick. You're like, oh right. my God, yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> right. The puzzle of it. And so, yeah, so I, I was really fascinated by it and I had um, my ex who I was with at the time lived in Minneapolis and she happened to live about a seven minute drive from um, Rick Face School from the Minnesota College. Serendipity. Yeah, so uh, so that really built an immediate and obvious bridge for me to, to go out there. And so even when that relationship um, ended, I stayed for a very long time because I had immediately kind of fallen into this MKG family wow. and um, only moved back because I wanted to spread that back into the community that I grew up in. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's that's one thing too. It's it's interesting. I've I've actually and this probably sounds odd with, with who I am and all the mutual people we know. I've actually never met Rick. Oh, okay. I've never had the opportunity to, but I feel like I know the guy. Yeah. Uh, but, There's a lot of like too. So, oh yeah. 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 And there's there's a lot of magic. It's the only way I can describe it in the MKG family. So he's got something going on, and the people that are involved in that, no matter. And it, it's amazing how it's branched out. I mean, there's a lot right. of branches of this. Right. And I've not met a soul from any branch that I didn't think was just a spectacular human. Oh, cool. Just a wonderful person who you know speaks highly of him and has been a wonderful martial artist, but just a good person, too. That's great. Yeah. So there, there's something that. going on there that's right. just really well, that's amazing. Rick. I mean, yeah. he because I went there... 
still dreaming of using my chi to stop a clock from across the room or something. You know what I mean? Like oh, come on. all of that yeah, kind that's of not real. Yeah, right. Damn all it. of that kind of stuff. And and I still want it to be real, by the way. You know, only still, a ninja can yeah, stop I mean, a ninja. Keep, keep one toe in the pond where, where it's right. real. But but he did such a good job of of keeping my feet on the ground and showing me like, look, this kind of magic within the art is possible with your feet on the ground. Mm-hmm. Right? It doesn't actually require magic. You know, that kind of hocus pocus. What it is is hard work. And um, determination and a willingness to play while you're training, while you're immersing yourself in this, and that dichotomy or that that balance or whatever between um, play and violence, mm-hmm. right? For yeah, want of a better yeah. word, really threw me for a loop, and it took me a long time. I, I don't think that I was probably a, a real pain to having. I probably still am a real pain to having class, but I, I'm sure for a while I really was. And he really had to hit me over the head with it, but he has a certain way of just dropping like truth bombs in the room and walking away and letting it sit there and letting the message do the work, not mm-hmm. the personality. And that became, I think for a lot of us, a big takeaway because it's very easy to get your ego engaged in this stuff and to have a person that is held in such high regard like Rick constantly removed himself from the equation and only put the art on a pedestal or right. put Dan on a pedestal, yeah. that kind of thing. Then you start to go, okay, yeah, then then who am I if I think I'm pretty special yes. because I got to do this yeah. also, right? right. Like, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> so um, you start to really respect and appreciate the opportunity that you have. And yeah. so, and by extension of that, now here we are having this conversation. Yeah, right? yeah, you no know? doubt. Yeah, it's, it's it reminds me of the questions I get sometimes from um, folks that come in from out of town. They're like, uh, oh, you're probably used to it. I'm like, no. Right. I, I'm right. not used to where I'm at right. and doing what I do. I, I'm right. not at all. What the, I'm appreciative uh, yeah. every day of, of what I'm surrounded with. But yeah, I'm not used to it. I don't know. Are there a lot of people <laughs> at the Inasado Academy that are just neighborhood people looking to do some martial arts? Yes, I believe in the door. Yes. Yeah. yeah we, we've, I mean, they know what this is now. But yeah, right. some came in just that way. Yeah. Like uh, well, Michael Dubin came in because he liked the sound of the drums. Okay. Yeah. Funny. Uh, and right. I mean, he had some idea, but but he really liked the. And then um, Tanya, who you saw in class earlier, uh-huh. her and her husband Greg, who was in class earlier, were just looking for a nice neighborhood place to take their son for little dragons. And they're like, "Oh, okay. this looks like fun too." And yeah. Now here they are. Yeah. <laughs> right. So it it is right. kind of fascinating. I used to love to kind of play the card a little bit in Minneapolis because um, Rick's school is in a really nice neighborhood and there's a lot of people that will come through that just want, you know, Minneapolis is a very fit community, very yeah. active and um, though it's frozen half of the year, people yeah. really stay <laughs> active there and so there's a lot of people that will kind of come and go just because it feels like a neighborhood spot and it is in that way but I'd have a lot of conversations with new folks about you know, oh where are you from, how long have you been here and I'd always point out like oh I moved here to do this right it's wow. their first week here yeah. they live a few blocks away and now they're training with some dude who moved halfway across the country just to be in the same class like, as them hmm, yeah <laughs> right yeah you see their jaw drop like wait a minute all these pictures on the wall are a big deal aren't they you know yeah yeah they are right? yeah there's a lot of it's history cool yeah so now so we got you there you're training you understand you know it's a big deal you're doing what you like so now what what's our process from you're training, you move along, you say, okay, now I need to take this back to Detroit. Yeah, so I think some part of me um, maybe always wanted to, to teach martial art, to, 
to make it part of my lifestyle and to engage and interact with it as much as possible and to maybe try to build a profession out of it, but just to share it. And I noticed early on too, before I, like if I only learned one or two things, I would then be hanging out with buddies and show them those one or two things because I thought they were cool. Mm -hmm. And I noticed right away, every time I tried to teach, for want of a better word, a friend of mine something that I had learned, I learned it that much better, right? By trying to echo it somehow. And so that really resonated and stuck with me over the years. Like, okay, there's got to be something to this teaching thing. And then seeing the community, you know, we always consider like a family that Rick had built with MKG and knowing the state that Detroit is in as a city, as a greater metro area, as an, as an overarching uh, community, I thought, all right, it seems like you know, this was, I don't know, 2010 maybe. Detroit was really starting to develop what people were calling a renaissance. I thought this could be a great time to try to keep And this concludes the abbreviated version of the Martial Arts Lifestyle Podcast. Remember to hit the like button and subscribe here to the YouTube channel. Please consider supporting the program by going to patreon.com slash malmag and subscribing for access to the full-length podcasts. Again, that is www.patreon slash M-A-L-M-A-G. Thank you for listening to the Kurt Cornwell episode. Coming up next week, an extraordinary martial artist from Seattle who is also an expert in Indian clubs. That is James Neidlinger. We'll see you next week. This show is produced by Martial Arts Lifestyle Magazine. Visit us at martialartslifestylemagazine.com. Music by Jack Al Relic. Martial Arts Lifestyle Magazine and the Martial Arts Lifestyle Podcast are trademarked and copyrighted by TNT LLC. Thank you.